everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast where we ask the question, hey, remember the aughts? And we talk about everything in the 2000s from Bratz dolls to the Pussycat dolls. Oh, nice. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. From browsing your new grounds to sometimes going on E-bombs world. A little guilty, but you know what? You can't always go to You're the Man Now, dog. You're the man now, dog. Dot com. I, Damn it! I didn't even know what <laughs> website that was. It, it it goes by the acronym, but I I'm the worst internet historian because I forgot and I don't care to look it up. That's fine. That's fine. What is today's episode about, Tom? Oh well, right now we're in our spooky season. Yeah, even though we already recorded one of the episodes, we we finally came up with the uh, name for the miniseries. What is the name, Courtney? The Spooktacular Savings Series. The Spooktacular Savings. You could find it in your weekly circular. Yeah. (laughs) And I I love the little sound I made that's going to appear throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry if you find it obnoxious. It's spooky season. I fun fact. You know I'm banned at work from saying spooky. Why do you say it too much? I used to say it too much. Why am I not surprised? Um, if you, I love my coworkers, and some of us follow. Some of them follow the podcast, and if you look at their page, they do. You will see mm-hmm. they. You'll see that they put in very specific Instagram posts. Getting ready for the Halloween season. Dot dot dot. Don't say it, Tom. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, so fun fact, I'm banned from saying spooky at work, but on this podcast, we could say it as much as we want. That's true. That's true. But if I am ever too much, you do have permission to ban me from saying spooky. I need a button that just says, stop it, Tom. Stop it! Stop it, Tom. (laughs) Let's see if we can go through the entire series without me making it a problem. (laughs) I have to, like, shout it like uh, Stacey Pilgrim shouts Wallace in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But along this journey for the spooky season, Mm -hmm. today we're going to talk about a kaiju movie. I love kaijus. We all love them kaijus. You are a bigger fan of kaijus than I am, which is really cool. I, I, I just like them more. For some reason, I can stomach those better than... Other horror movies with, like, demon-possessed homes or, you know, Saw movies where people are getting tortured. Because I relate to those monsters coming out of the sea. I love them so much. That's totally fair. And it's, I mean, it's a giant monster. How much cooler can you get? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and I love using the word kaiju. Yes. Um, There is a podcast that is called Kaiju Weekly. That is okay. just all about different kaiju, so you should you should check that out too. That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I looked it up for this uh, for this episode. Nice. Yeah, because there's a lot of lore to this movie. Oh, some boy. of it good, some of it bad. But either way, we're gonna talk about the 2008 hit film Cloverfield. Animus, Rob, have fun in Japan. You owe me eleven dollars. How are you gonna survive without Rob? He's like your main dude. Yeah, now, hey, how am I gonna survive without you? I don't know. I'm like your main dude. What was that noise? It sounded like an animal. 
Looks like you should have left town a little bit earlier. How do you want to do this? Should we talk about what it was like to experience the advertising when it was happening, the movie, and then go into like everything about the movie, like go into the facts after? What do you want to do? I think to recreate the most inauthentic, like I'm sure a lot of people have seen it by now. Right. So this, you know, even this is not a movie that's like, oh, spoilers, but. I feel like by now everyone knows that it's a monster movie. Like right. It's a giant kaiju movie. It's 12 from, years old. Yes. <laughs> but I think we should start with exactly how the hell this thing started. Because I still remember. I don't remember what movie I was seeing. But I remember being in the theater when that our initial trailer dropped. The one that mm-hmm. didn't even have the name of the movie. I can tell you what movie it was, Tom, and I think we were seeing it together. I think we no were. No way. Were we? I think so. I don't remember. I saw this movie in theater a few times, so I could be wrong. It was the Transformers movie. Oh, uh, no, I wasn't there for that. Okay, okay. I think I think we saw the second one together then. Maybe. Okay. But I, I remember, I, I don't remember what movie it was, and it might have been with you, because I know there okay. was a few movies that came out in 2007, 2008 that we saw. yeah. Baby 310 to Yuma? Oh, yeah, I forgot we saw that movie. That was a good movie. Hey, Google, <laughs> when did the remake for 310 to Yuma come out? According to Wikipedia, 310 to Yuma debuted in the United States and Canada on September 7, 2007, in 2,652 theaters. Okay. It might have been 310 to Yuma. It could have been. It took Google a little long to answer you there. I think it had to calibrate. It was like, which version that you were asking? Right, for? right. But yeah, I remember just because the, the original trailer, I think that's a good place to start. It mm-hmm. it shows a little bit of the party. It's this like home videotape. It seems like it's going to be a dramatic comedy. Then all of a sudden shit gets fucking real. Mm-hmm. And then they there's like an earthquake. The power goes out. Everyone goes outside to see what's going on. And you just see the head of the Statue of Liberty thrown down the street in Manhattan. And then the movie just cuts. The trailer just cuts and it says a J.J. Abrams project. And it's like. one eighteen oh eight. What the fuck did we just see? Yeah. And you're thinking, what could have done that to the Statue of Liberty? And I remember that. That's one of the things to talk about with this movie. Because I think early on, this is like an example of very fairly successful marketing because it just garnered... I remember going to school. We were seniors at this point. Or were we... No. no we were juniors. Um, we were juniors, yeah. And I still remember like people talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember... I don't remember his last name, but I remember... Do you remember Steve from high school? Yeah. Not my cousin. Steve? Yes, I do. Yeah. He had a nickname that we can't say. Yeah, yeah. But Steve, he I remember he would come up to me at random and just talk to me for like hours, whether I was down for it or not, about what he thought the movie was going to be about. I was very excited about this movie because I I just had a feeling instantly 
that it was going to be a monster movie. I mean, you kind of get the idea that it's going to be a monster movie. There's literally, like, claw marks in the Statue of Liberty. But... Oh, yeah. Um, also, just, like, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, I liked movies that take a chance on something different. And I was a little concerned that the whole movie wouldn't be in the handheld camera style, but I was excited for the approach that they were taking. And I really liked that I didn't know what the title was and that they were keeping it a secret. Yeah, it really, like, what it... I I remember, because as it got closer, you start to get more and more hints. Yeah. And there was even that website. um, What is it? It was was 1-1808. Tom, there were a lot of websites. (laughs) There were. And you did the deep dive into it. Oh, (laughs) no. And I think that's why you went a little stir crazy because yeah. i just i just kind of watched the movie learned about the production and did some research into how like mm-hmm. how the marketing worked for this as compared quite frankly i don't want the deep dive into the advertising around it to affect how i feel about the movie but i feel like yes. retrospectively it's totally fair where if things got out of hand and now there's three movies that constantly contradict the canon and the lore it might go a little crazy yeah 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 uh the cloverfield paradox ironically enough is the first one that i watched and i was deeply upset by it uh because it wasn't at all what i was hoping it would be yeah that was my first one really Mm -hmm. wow not happy about it i actually saw this movie in theaters oh you did Mm-hmm. I saw this in theaters because I remember I remember at first I thought at first it was a Godzilla movie. Okay, that's fair. I, I was like, are they going to do another Godzilla movie? And it's not the one from 1998. Right. And it would have been a good time to re to have another one, too. Yeah. yeah. And then um, but then it turned it confirmed it's not a Godzilla movie, but it was a kaiju movie. And I think part part of the fun early on was p- trying to piece together what it was. I remember there was horrible and weird designs you could find online like on forums and shit like that about what people thought the monster was going to look like mm-hmm. i will find them and we can post them oh my god they I were remember... so weird do you remember was... those yes i remember one was a giant whale with legs <laughs> well like you know what's funny it wouldn't even be a giant whale it was because a whale's already big it was just a whale with legs right and wasn't it, like, weird, like, cause, like, those, like, Salvador Dali creature legs or something like that, where they're, like, stick thin? I don't yes. remember how. It was weird. Yeah. So, there was all that spreading around, and then we got the movie, and I saw it in theaters, and I remember loving it, but let me be honest, mm-hmm. I actually haven't seen the movie since I saw it in theaters. Did the shaky cam bother you when you went to go see it in theaters? At the time, no. Okay. When I saw it in theaters, it actually didn't bother me. But mm-hmm. I did watch it with friends who hated the movie mm-hmm. simply because of how the shaky cam upset them. I do think that this is a movie that needs to be enjoyed on a bigger screen. Because I will tell you this. When I was in a theater and watched it, I didn't get sick. But watching it at home, when I watched it, because I rewatched it the other night to kind of, you know, refresh. Mm-hmm. Actually, watching it at home made me sick. Oh, really? Yeah, for some reason, I think it's what you were saying. Like, you needed to watch this on a big screen. I think, I mean, everyone's different, mm-hmm. but for some reason, watching it on the big screen didn't affect me. Whereas watching it at home, maybe because I'm watching it, you know, 
full HD on my TV at night and just that awkward frame rate and, you know, shaky cam. Mm -hmm. It's just all of a sudden now I'm like, oh, I'm really, I'm getting dizzy. And this is, I mean, it didn't last long. It was only like when they're running from the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. Oh, that was, uh, that was rough. Exactly. So like, that's the only moment where I'm like, oh God, like I'm a little like, dizzy from this but you know once things slow down i felt better um i'm gonna pepper in just some like behind the scenes facts as we talk yes. because i feel like if i try to sit and talk about all the behind the scenes facts i will forget them but uh That's one of the fair. things is that they shot most of the movie on the paramount set and they shot most of the brooklyn bridge scene um on a green screen and I think that they did a tremendous job with it. Yeah, because it really, like, even to today's standard of CG, that is still looks really good. Like, yeah. I imagine most of this movie had to be shot on a, on a backlot set. Right. And then the only time that they actually shot in New York City was, like, the last few days of shooting. They flew to New York, and they just got a shot of the people walking on the bridge. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, because, like... But it blends so well. Like, there's so many moments where I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't tell. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And it might speak to the power of the medium. Like, mm -hmm. this is a weird time also where found footage is making a big comeback. Mm hmm And like, there's something about those movies. People either are sick of them or they like them. I like to see where it's being pushed as its own sort of genre. Mm -hmm. Because at this point when Cloverfield came out, um, Paranormal Activity came out the year before, Blair Witch Project had already, you know, become a joke at that point. Um, but since then you've gotten, like, Searching with John Cho and... Oh, that's an amazing movie. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to watch it. Yeah. I love John Cho. Give him but everything. Like exactly yeah. but like you're right because and then it's like found footage has become like us like a solidified staple mm -hmm. that's no longer just like a horror movie niche although i won't lie some of my favorite horror movies are found footage movies yeah because i think if you can sell the believability like it doesn't have to be a hundred percent because like even when we're watching cloverfield like there are some moments where i'm like there's no need <laughs> right and then like you have tj miller but, like, that's another thing about this movie, too. How many people did did you recognize and go, wow, they're they're much bigger now? Yeah, like, Ben Feldman is just the guy that Beth brings with her. Yeah. And then we got Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. Um, there is a really beautiful moment behind the scenes where um, when they're talking about, like, shooting the scene where Lizzie Kaplan gets bit and she, they're, like, they started out with, like, an animatronic, but they decided to digitally compose the creature afterwards. Um, so she had to pretend to be just baseball batting, just hitting nothing. And she <laughs> kept hitting T.J. Miller. <laughs> you know, what? That, that, um, that was her unwillingly uh, getting him for his future crimes. Yeah, I think so. And he, you can see in the behind the scenes that he clearly is like trying to resist 
being uh, a huge dick, but you can kind of see it seething because he's like, ow, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, you told me to, you told me this is where I hit you. And he's like, no, above me. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then she continues to hit him again. And he's Beautiful. like, stop, fucking stop. And it's so funny. So I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. I remember when I saw it in theaters, I loved it. And I was like, this is a great monster movie. And it really got me reinvigorated for found footage mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to say rewatching it, I really enjoyed it. It's a good movie, but some of the jokes, like I will never forget that South Park episode that made fun of this. I don't think I saw that one. It's, it's, you might, even if you're not a fan of South Park, I love it because it's a uh, giant guinea pigs attack South Park. Oh, I have seen that. Never mind. And it's not, it's not cartoon guinea pigs. It's like <laughs> live, live captured guinea pigs. So it's the most adorable thing. And it's just. Stan's dad, Randy, running around the camera going, oh my god, Sharon! Sharon! <laughs> and he's, she's like, put the camera down. He goes, no, you gotta see it! You gotta see it! Because TJ Miller says that so many times in this movie. He goes, they're like, why are you still recording? He goes, because the people need to see it. And I'm like, no, like, just everything about this seems impractical. That's the thing, too. It's like, put it, put the camera down. Yeah. I'm glad that we've gotten to a point where some, like, that concern has been addressed a little more like Mm -hmm. found footage movies either like with searching it's you can be you you can believe it because it's done in a way where we're just the audience is observing to the computer screen as he's doing everything Mm -hmm. so you don't have to have that thought of well why is he still holding camera it's like no because it's all a part of the you know the viewing experience we're looking at it through this new medium and how some smaller budget horror movies have kind of built the mechanism into the movie like one of my favorite found footage movies is hell house llc mm-hmm. and half the footage they use is like security cam footage from the haunted house location so like oh that's smart there is this now awareness to like you can't just expect the audience to believe somebody running around with a camera going no 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 there's a big spooky monster i have to capture it so um i don't know if you've seen this yet there's that new movie coming out with joe keery called spree I have not. Okay. And the whole point is that he wants to be a social media star. So he picks up a job as like a Lyft driver, an Uber driver, and he kills the people who get into his car. And what's good about that is it sort of plays on the disbelief that somebody would keep recording because then as viewers start to chime in, through, like, the live videos, they start saying, like, this bullshit is fake, he kills another social media star, and somebody keeps joking, like, oh, he's gonna appear anytime now, because they don't, there's a, there's some level of disbelief that this is all fake, and it's not real, because nobody would post that on real social media. Yeah, and I I did see the trailer, and I really do want to see it, because it is an interesting take to have now, especially in the day of, like, social media and the influencer. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a movie that came out not long ago. It's not found footage, but it plays with similar ideas, and that's, um, the one with Aubrey Plaza. What is it called? Is it Ingrid Goes West? Ingrid Goes West. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet, but I, I love Aubrey Plaza. I did like it a lot. Yeah. But, so back to the movie. Yeah, Um, so... You liked the movie when you saw yes. it. I liked the movie too. Now, as I was say, but you have a different perspective because I saw it in theaters right. and then rewatched it recently. You started with the third movie, yeah. quote unquote, because I don't know the actual 
canon connectivity between any of these movies. Like, I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane, Mm -hmm. which was an incredible movie. I loved it a lot. And to complement the marketing yet again, that fascination was still there. Like, when I saw that trailer and the title shows up 10 Cloverfield Lane, like, to piece together, is this the same universe? But then we get Cloverfield Paradox? Yep. So can you talk briefly about Cloverfield? Because I didn't watch it. Okay, so basically I'm trying to find... um, When the pandemic first started, um, and I've mentioned this before, that people either got really into seeing, like, apocalyptic movies or... Um, they just wanted, like, fluffy, fun stuff, and that's, that was my side of it. Joe was on the other side of it. He watched a lot of, like, horror movies, and, um, that's how we watched Cloverfield Paradox. Um, I'm trying to find, it's very similar to this other movie, where essentially a flight crew goes into space to find a new source of energy, and, they end up going into a new dimension and then shit gets fucked up real fast. So It sounds like uh, what's that called? Uh, there's a I movie with Sam Neill. Yes, I know that. I okay. was that's the one I'm thinking of. Okay, cuz Joe watched that literally before we watched uh The Cloverfield Paradox and I was deeply deeply disturbed by the few minutes that I saw of this other movie, but I don't remember the name of it. That, that movie's famous for having some of the most gratuitous gore that was cut out entirely from the film. Really? It was very upsetting mm-hmm. what they kept in there. So. Oh, by the way, the name of the movie is Event Horizon. How would, how would you have guessed that that is a movie about crossing dimensions and shit getting crazy? I do, and... I think because this is, I'm going to give a very nerdy answer. I believe Event Horizon is an actual scientific term. Okay. I think if I'm correct, an Event Horizon is a theoretical boundary around a black hole beyond which no light and other radiation can escape. AKA Sam Neill goes fucking crazy. Oh my God. It's awful. (laughs) I did not like it. And it's brought to us by Paul W.S. Anderson, not Paul Anderson, Yeah. but Paul W.S. Anderson, who brought us such great classics as the entire Resident Evil franchise. Oh, gosh. But so the point is, Cloverfield Paradox follows the space crew, and weird shit starts to happen. Chris O'Dowd just, like, loses his hand to the ship yeah. for no reason. Um... They kill off Z Zhang, like, way early on, which was deeply upsetting for me. I kind of wanted to just give up on the movie at that point, because I like Z Zhang. She was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Memoirs of a Geisha, and I was like, yes, I'm so excited to see another movie that's starring her. And then they kill her off right away, and I'm like, what am I doing here? So, yeah. Um, basically, the whole point is that it's in 2028, and you get, while this crew is going into space, you get video footage of an interview with a scientist whose name is very closely related to the name of John Goodman's character in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Hmm, and didn't the John Goodman's character work for a company that's involved with the, like, 
oil drilling yes, he that did. happened yes. in the first movie. Yes. So this character, played by Donna Logue, tells you, he's basically telling the audience, like, if we go into different dimensions, demons and monsters and the whole fabric of reality could be destroyed. So at this point, the the only connection to Cloverfield is that it explains to you that because these astronauts decided to cross dimensions in 2028, that is most likely the reason why, um, a kaiju is sitting dormant at the bottom of the sea in 2008. Um, and granted, they say, like, the fabric of reality can change in the past, present, and future. But also, it's just like, oh, that's convenient to say. Yeah. yeah. Also, the, I remember I only saw the very end where, like, the mon- the original Cloverfield monster pops through the clouds. Yeah, that's it. And I remember thinking, in the first movie, the monster's not that big. So there's a belief that um, the monster that's at the end of that movie is a grown-sized monster. Oh. Yeah, because um, what J.J. Abrams has confirmed about Cloverfield is that that monster's a baby. It's a baby It's a little baby. Yeah. So, um, so that was the movie that I started with, and I was a little concerned. I was just like, is this what I have to look forward to with the other movies? And I was told, and I had heard that 10 Cloverfield Lane was great. Um, it is, yes. Yeah, so I was excited to watch Cloverfield, finally. Um, my only thing was I just, like, I wasn't in the mood when we had to watch it for today's episode. I just, like, didn't feel like watching bad things happen. Mm. Um... Now, with everything in the pandemic, it does feel a little, like, there's something uncanny and very unsettling about Cloverfield because it does feel like this is what would happen if this happened to New York City. There's something a little uncanny about it because it is sort of anchored in reality. So, with the pandemic and everything, I just felt a little like, I don't don't know if I want to watch something happen to the people of New York. That's totally fair. But that being said, I, I did like the movie. I had to miss a, a chunk of it, but I, I know what happens in the end, and um, I did really enjoy it. Yeah, mm. it's um, I, I get where you're coming from, and I think I was able to... I There was moments where like that really kicked in. I was like, oh my god, this is weird to see New York under such distress. Yeah. But I think I was able to distance myself from that. Okay. Also, I didn't know this until we did our research. Matt Reeves yeah. directed this movie. Yes. He has gone on to do the Planet of the Apes tr- uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. He's now doing the new Batman. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's He's why the great... name sounds so familiar. He's a great filmmaker. And I didn't know this. He's he's from Rockville Center. Yes. Rockville Center. He's a, he's a Long Island boy. Yeah. And that's why I think... Um... You know, that's why it was a little unsettling to watch is because even though, like, obviously we don't have a kaiju waking up near the Statue of Liberty ready to fuck shit up, but, you know, just that sort of fear and panic feels very familiar. Yeah, it it's, it's, you can tell the visual, like, you can tell the direction from this movie is from somebody who grew up 
in or around Manhattan. Yeah, and, you know, even in the movie at one point they say, because this is more closely related to another tragedy that happened in New York City, is somebody asks, is this another terrorist attack? That's true. Yeah. And this is 2008. Yeah, and I think that either the year following or two years after, that's when there was another attempt at a terrorist attack in New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's an interesting watch back now in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, the cover art mm-hmm. for the movie, and I, I remember even this, when this was started popping up, like posters in theaters, when you can go to the movie theater or you can go to the mall and you see posters for movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was just the Statue of Liberty with, like, its head torn off, and it says something has found us. Right. And... I loved that poster just because, like, it is very haunting, but it's so simple. Yeah. And, you know, we were saying about, like, the graphics and stuff. Um, The simpleness of the handheld camera gives them so much freedom to do whatever they want with graphics or what you can see and can't see. So, something I did, I did kind of want to run around the uh, the marketing for the movie real quick. Because, like, like, we were talking about before, like, just being at that age when all of a sudden this trailer drops and there's no title and it just captured our interest. I think where, because I remember, I watched the video in the analysis for this movie mm-hmm. from, an, from an Irish YouTuber named Ryan Hollinger. Okay. Who did a breakdown of how viral, mar- early internet viral marketing succeeds and fails. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how Cloverfield... And this, I think this is true because there's so little information given to you, but you have enough to, you only get like bite-sized hints of what's going on. Producers can control the narrative of what the people are talking about. Like people are trying to research what's, what's the monster, what's going on. Because I remember they even posted online, like there's like a, like there's a girl who you find early on in the movie who's just passed out on a couch. Yes. And her, but there's like a whole backstory to her where she has like video logs. Yes. No. Do you know more about that? I, I do know more about that. Um, I just want to state that in the movie at that point, she could very well be dead. Really? Yeah, which is very unsettling. Concerning. Yeah. So basically, um, <laughs> but what I, I like about this movie is how little you know about it. And then, unfortunately, like, what I had hoped information would be revealed later on in future movies where they just tell you what's happening or you find out what's happening instead is all this like weird background research um, that people find on websites. So um, basically there is a made-up company uh, created by J.J. Abrams that is in this Cloverfield lore and it's called Tegruato. And it's a Japanese oil drilling company. I don't know why it has to be Japanese, but that is... Godzilla. Right. Um, So, I I mean, like, I think it would have been fine if it was still an American company. But I I get it. Um, So, Tegruato um, is an oil drilling company. And they have a website. And then on that website, you can see the different companies that they also... Uh, have created one of them is a medical company which sounds about right another one is a company for technology and going into space leading up to cloverfield paradox and then Mm. another one is 
Slusho. Slusho, which shows up in all of his movies. Yeah, and um, so basically what Slusho is is a, basically an icy that prides itself in making you feel happy in your stomach and using seabed nectar, which is very strange. And uh, the company Slusho is the company that Rob, I guess the protagonist of our movie, is actually going yeah. to move to Japan for to be the VP of. Oh, see, I did, never did this deep of research. I know. I feel like a. I feel like an internet forum nerd right now, but you you deserved a title. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Slusho is one of the companies. Um, they set up the website for Slusho, and on there they have a commercial where someone claims that their stomach is so happy with Slusho they feel like it's going to explode. Oh. Yeah, so um, apparently if you bought a Slusho t-shirt when this movie came out, months later you would receive a letter from the Chua station, which is the closest to New York City. This is the oil drill that capsizes. And oh. yeah, so you get letters saying um, all mail sent to the Chua station will be cleared and redacted if necessary about private information, meaning somebody leaked something that they shouldn't have. This leads mm. to um, the videos that you're talking about. The person who apparently leaked information was a station worker named Teddy Hansen, and his girlfriend is sending him videos because they can't talk, you know, they can't connect, like, in person or on the phone. And as you watch the videos, she receives a package from Teddy, and it says, um, like, she gets a recording from him, and it says, like, um, I've been taken, don't, don't call the authorities, everything will be ruined if you call the authorities. In this bag is primary evidence. Do not eat it. And that is the seabed nectar, supposedly. Okay. And she starts eating it because she thinks that her boyfriend just, like, dumped her. And she starts doing weird stuff in the later videos, believing that the sea nectar is what's making her act like this. So she's just eating, like, the prime potent, like, she's just eating the nectar, so it is my belief that when she gets to the party, she's actually dead. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, I find that kind of cool. It is but I also interesting, like, but it's also, yeah. I, I like that it's not necessary for the film itself. Like, you can dive deeper if you want, and it's there. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot, I remember kids who did. I didn't. I just kind of got excited by the idea of what kind of monster this is right and that's what i kind of liked so apparently at the gas station not gas station like the oil drilling station they're not doing any oil drilling there are like more websites and more letters that lead to the realization that they're not doing any actual oil drilling there so what are they doing um hmm it is believed that they are just you know getting the seabed nectar from like for Slusho, and then they accidentally awaken the Cloverfield monster, who has been dormant for a very long time, which negates the Cloverfield paradox. Yeah, I was gonna say, doesn't the which canon are we going by? Because I know, like, I did know that the oil drilling company wakes up the monster, right? 
And I knew that. And I remember in the actual movie, when at the end, where you see that shot of him, of the guy and his ex-girlfriend at Coney Island, mm-hmm. there's like a shot and you see a satellite that falls into the ocean. Right. And that is a satellite that's owned by Tagruato. Yes. Yeah. And that's because it was tracking the monster, I believe. Who knows? Could yeah, be. who knows? The, the cannon is all fucked. I, when I saw that footage originally... Um, like, of, like, the thing shooting down into the water. I thought that that was the monster, like, falling into the water. That's what I water. thought, too, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, essentially, the the point is that, like, they accidentally wake up the monster. I don't think that that's it at all. I think that they were trying to find the monster and, you know, do experiments mm. on it or, you know, find okay. it for themselves. That's fair. That's my theory. Yeah, that's... So I, I actually really thank you for giving me all that lore because I <laughs> can imagine it did drive you a little crazy, especially since you saw Cloverfield Paradox first. Yeah. So you're going, wait a minute, what the fuck? I think this was <laughs> but, the I think this was, this was a little bit of like the researcher and me like, well, on this article, it says this, yeah. but then in this article, it contrasts that point of view. <laughs> but I can imagine at the time when like this is all we had to go by in an early internet age because... And this is what the YouTuber was bringing up. When you look a year prior, which a movie crossover that we covered earlier, Snakes on a Plane, which all intents and purposes, I love. It's a fun action movie. And it was a big internet meme. And people talked about it. There were news reports about the internet excitement about the movie. Ends up being a box office flop. Yeah. And I, the argument here is that because the internet kind of took over the hype of the movie and there was no controlled narrative and people like, I still remember like parody videos, musicals, puppets, like cartoons, all for snakes on a plane. So by the time the actual movie comes out, it's like people are just saturated with like every joke imaginable about this movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas if when you look a year later at Cloverfield, the marketing was so fascinating, but controlled Mm -hmm. That you had to follow the narrative, so when you see the movie, you're like you're going to the movie for answers rather than like a meme, right? And also, the movie doesn't really give you any answers. No, it doesn't. And I think what works for the movie versus Snakes on a Plane, and we talked about this in the Snakes on a Plane episode, you know Samuel L. Jackson is going to survive. Yeah. All these people in Cloverfield at this point, like Lizzie Kaplan has the biggest career at this point, right? She does. But nobody yes. is really familiar with her face because she's so covered up as Janice Ian in Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these people who are new to acting or aren't very popular, and that actually works for the movie because you don't know these people. They look like very normal people and anything can happen to them and you have no control yep. over it. It's slasher movie rules. Yeah. You have a bunch of young up and comings, you know, no name actors in a movie so that pretty much any one of them could be a victim and you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like Mike Vogel, um, the brother who dies, Jason, he also yeah. had a career at that point more than some of the other actors and I was very surprised to see that he died on Brooklyn on the Brooklyn Bridge I wasn't planning on that at all no well there's also that rule and I don't know if this is what they were going for but there's a rule that was established in Psycho and Scream Mm -hmm. 
where you take the big name actor, actress, oh, and you kill them right away to convey to the audience that you have no, like, you can't predict what's going to happen. Did you ever hear uh, Drew Barrymore talk about her role in Scream? Yes, I yeah. did. I think she was actually, they wanted her for Nev Campbell's role yeah. as Sydney. Yeah, and I love that she, um, with the director of Scream, like, came up with the idea of, like, okay, let's do this instead. And it is really cool to see, like, you know, because she's an actor. She could, she had the pull to own the movie, mm-hmm. but she rather, for the sake of artistic integrity, play the role of the first victim so that the audience is left on edge. And that was genius. Right. And I think that for Cloverfield, um, there are a lot of arguments about <laughs> Rob wanting to go back into the city for the girl he had a fling with, and then he Bethany. Beth, and he realizes that like they're in love with each other. Um, <laughs> I was told like, oh, you know, if it weren't for him, he would have saved his friends. I think that, and this is my theory. I think that because at that point he loses his brother, yeah, that that's what drives him to try to save his ex girlfriend. Oh, absolutely, because yeah. he's already lost. I mean, that's that was even the driving force of his brother's, like, girlfriend and just... Right. They already lost someone significant. Right. If they have the chance to do... You know, if they have the chance to at least save somebody, which I understand, like, you can argue the semantics and be like, oh, it was dumb, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, the emotional anxiety and peak at this movie because they already did try to escape it's not like that was their first plan they did legitimately try to escape mm-hmm. and in a weird way it was it was him taking the phone call going i gotta go back that ultimately saves the rest of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's a kaiju movie yeah and it's what's funny is i was watching a breakdown there's so many breakdowns about this movie there's like a whole channel dedicated to breaking down real life science behind monster movies mm-hmm and the guy pointed out, he goes, this monster wasn't deliberately breaking the bridge. That was just its tail. Right, right. Yeah. When you watch the movie, you feel like, and especially like what happens to T.J. Miller, Miller's character, that this kaiju is seeking out its victims. But it's just, you know, if you've ever had a sleeping baby and you just turn the lights on and wake it up when it's not ready... It's basically like that. Like, it is basically like Clover waking up and slashing its tail through the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's an even... I remember the there's like this... I think the most disturbing part is not even the monster itself, but the, the like, fucking parasite things that it has. <laughs> the noise they make is so funny, though. It is funny, but, like... Because, like, you were talking about the nectar mm-hmm. and the same... I was reading up on the monster and the parasite... And, like, someone compared it to, like, sea lice. Mm-hmm. And how... Because, like, the nectar in this universe, the Cloverfield universe, has this effect on living beings. It makes them... Like, they, they would say... I think there was one argument to say that the clover field monster itself feeds on that nectar. And that's why it's so big. Mm. And their theory was that the, the little parasites in the movie are sea lice because the way sea lice feed is by rupturing the surface of skin of larger like organisms and feeding on the blood but because they grew to such a size because of the sea nectar because mm. it's it's not like the the bugs or the parasites or whatever 
implant something in the victim and it ruptures from their stomach it's like a gastral thing that's what i thought at first too when i would see the trailer and i like the later trailers and you see someone exploding behind the curtain i thought that it was because something was building inside of her but no it's more just like this like chemical exchange that happens in the organs exactly because in at the original size of like let's say a sea a sea lice the i don't like the word sea lice (laughs) i know i'm sorry but like to say at its normal size that chemical reaction is so small right or even when it's feeding on the cloverfield monster the the area affected is so small that it just brings blood to the surface to allow the parasite to feed but being that it's so like a it's the size of a fucking dog yeah and it's like implanting this like you know toxin into the into a human being they rupture and explode yeah it's crazy and i you know you were saying how like the um jason's girlfriend was also like we should go save her you know i think it's clear that the grief between the two of them is different than you know um tj miller's character and lizzie kaplan because they they're not like as resistant as they totally could be to be honest But they're also like, what? Are you sure we should do this? Are you sure we should go through these tunnels and go save this person? Yeah. Um, I am glad that Jason's girlfriend is the only one who survives at the end, though. Oh, that's right, because she took the earlier helicopter. She took the earlier helicopter, and I was very relieved that she was saved. (laughs) I I have a question, because... Yes. um, So I figured out what the problem was. I watched half of this movie on Monday... And then yeah. literally that was the end of my Showtime account. Oh, so that's no. why I missed the middle chunk of it. But I've seen the end half already when like Joe was watching all the horror movies at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. So I was already familiar with the ending. Do they say what happens to Ben Feldman at all? Or does he just stop existing? Um... I'm I'm really bad. Which one's Ben Feldman? The guy that bring um that Beth brings to Rob's party. Oh, he just we don't know. Okay, so nobody they, knows what happens to him. So they just <laughs> forget he exists. Yeah, he conveniently is gone. Okay. Um one, who brings a new person? To your ex-boyfriend's going yeah, away thank party. Thank you. I kept thinking about that, and I was like, they have to explain how he just disappears. Maybe he dies, and his dead body is next to her in the apartment. I don't know. I'm missing this portion of the movie. But uh, from what I gather, at the end of the movie, he is just completely forgotten about. Yeah, and... Uh... <sighs> Is this just a thing that the people in the aughts did? Because it's also, that's like, that's like 500 days of summer level of like complete disregard for an ex's concern. Right, right. Yeah. And even just, this... you know, the argument of like, oh, he still wants to hook up with this girl, so he wants to go save her. It's like, I do see that. I, I do think that the underneath like, motivation is that, like, he's grieving over his brother, but they don't make it apparent enough. It does just seem like he wants to go get the girl. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's worse. Um, despite there being a giant monster attack, mm-hmm. I still think inviting your ex 
to an engagement party is still worse. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But is this just a thing that young adults did in the aughts? We have people who listen who are older than us by at least like 10 years. Yeah. Is this a thing you guys what did? Parties, What's wrong with what you? What kind of parties were you guys having in 2008? It seems like they were filled yeah. with drama. Come on, guys. What's wrong with yeah. you? Yeah. Don't do that. that seems... Don't invite an ex to your going away party slash engagement party. Yeah. That's not... Don't. <laughs> also, my thing is, is like, okay, as far as the writing goes, this is what I think they should have done. Okay. I think that Beth should have been his girlfriend, period. End yeah. of discussion. And then the reason that he has to go save her, maybe they were fighting because he's leaving and they have to do long distance. Yeah, that would have just that would have made just as much, if not more sense. Yeah, because when they start the movie and it's like the fun footage of them, I'm like, okay, this is his girlfriend. And yeah. then she shows up at the party and I'm like, wait, no, she's not his girlfriend. And then like the weird improvised banter about that the, the fact that they slept together feels very inauthentic. Yeah, because it's also because it's driven by T.J. Miller, who's like, guys, guys. I know this is going away, really but did you know he slept with Beth? God, he slept with he slept with Beth. Did you know? Um, I'm important to the party, guys. I'm here. They noticed me. His commentary in the behind the scenes footage just kind of confirmed to me that he must be a dick in real life because, uh, you know, for for the most part, all the actors were saying how his character is usually holding the camera, and he's just like. I'm a trained actor and comedian, and I can't even be in the movie because I have to hold the camera. And I'm just like, shut up. This is your first movie. You'll do whatever they ask of you. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you will take the J.J. Abrams role and like it. Yeah, of of all projects, this is it. Because, like, he had just, like, J.J. Abrams at this point, known for Lost. Yeah, um, Fringe. Fringe. Um, what's Alias? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did Alias. So, like, he's a big name. Like, he, even back then, I remember, like, the idea of him being, like, the next Spielberg. Like, that was a thing that, you know, young, dumb high school film nerds would talk about. Mm-hmm. And T.J. Miller's like, I don't know, I'm behind the camera the whole movie. So, I'm going to speak as obnoxiously the guys. whole movie. <laughs> that is so funny. Guys! Guys! <laughs> I, did you know I'm going to be in a Deadpool movie one day? <laughs> You better notice me. I'm going to be important. His trial has been postponed because of the pandemic, and I'm very curious to see what happens with that. Yeah? Yeah. That's, uh... You know what? I'll just say it. Fuck TJ Miller. Yeah. <laughs> we can do without one more kind of douchey, apathetic comedian. It's fine. Would it... Fun, fun question. Mm-hmm. If you removed all his dialogue from the movie and just kept everybody else's lines of dialogue would the movie still work yeah totally yeah if anything you could just you become the person holding the camera yeah and you could control how much the drama you want to spread yeah and honestly like freaking the knockout performance in this movie is lizzie kaplan like that's why she is a star now even as she's like bleeding to death she really draws you draws you in to her yeah, it was 
I think you got the, like, that was the most disturbing part to me, was watching the, like, slow decline of this person. Like, like not even bef- before the parasite yeah. thing, like, just just the idea that, like, she witnessed and survived the stampede of the street of this giant fucking monster. Yeah, um, that whole scene with the dust cloud, like, the debris, oh my goodness, that's so good. And... It's so clear on her face. Like, she's so good at playing. Like, clearly she's becoming traumatized by this. Yeah, and I think that's another benefit to the medium they chose to shoot mm-hmm. with. Because it's, no matter what, the, the, the length, like, the scale of the monster is always overwhelming. Yeah. Like, it's not like the 98 Godzilla movie where we're getting helicopter shots, we're getting like impossible in world views of the Godzilla monster and the Godzilla monster's size is also incredibly inconsistent throughout the whole movie. (laughs) In this movie, we have a very clear, even though we don't see it ever in its full size, Mm -hmm. we have a very good understanding of just how large and overwhelming this thing is because our viewpoint is from like the ground. It's from the ground looking up at this massive monster and even the scene where you do actually get like a full frontal view of the monster's face um that was an addition well into shooting they didn't plan on adding that and then like they're shooting the scenes where like they have to escape central park and then then jj abrams is just like we don't have a single shot of its face how are we gonna do this let's add it right now do you think they had the design of the monster ahead of time or like as they were shooting it? I don't know. Only I feel like only J.J. Abrams knows that. And I'll be honest, I don't think J.J. Abrams, like great filmmaker, yeah. I'm, I, great filmmaker. I'm not taking anything away from him, but like as we learn from the Star Wars new trilogy, the mystery box doesn't always pay off no. when you don't actually plan out the mystery box. No, or sometimes the complete opposite happens, like How I Met Your Mother and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where the mystery box is so planned from the beginning that it actually sort of detriments the natural growth and progression of the characters. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because then it's like you can't have the freedom or the, in real life, free choice mm-hmm to organically allow chemistry to enact you eventually have to meet this determined end goal right exactly so um yeah i have no idea but what <laughs> what i what i do like about jj abrams's cloverfield movies is that like regardless of how tethered they are to each other how planned they are i like that he like, brings in this idea. It's very clearly J.J. Abrams' idea, but then he lets these lesser-known directors and actors come in and do the thing themselves. Like, he kind of puts the trust in them to create something marvelous, and I think that's a good sign of a teacher. That is yeah. true, and I mean, this is Matt Reed. You know, this is Matt Reed. Yeah, he did a great job. Phenomenal, and now he's doing the Batman. Yeah. Which, that looks pretty good. Yeah. Did you finally I mean, it's, see it's, the picture of Colin Farrell as the penguin? I didn't, but I know he's like under a lot of yeah. makeup and he's a big, big old man, yeah. right? They gave him some very powerful jowls. <laughs> I do like him a lot. Yeah, me too. Like, I really like him. This is a controversial opinion in the horror community. 
but I like the remake to Fright Night a I lot. I really liked I that like movie. It. it was so much fun, and he's a great vampire. Like, he is, like, the embodiment of a great white shark in a yes. person. Yes, um, I genuinely think that Colin Farrell, his earlier career when he was, like, drunk and on drugs all the time, um, they wanted to prop him up as, like, this action lead star, but I think that he's actually much more of a character actor. So I think just let him keep doing that. I mean, also, um, this movie doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but he played, um, what's that movie? It was about um, Mary Poppins. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yes, I do, because I liked it. Um, Miss, saving uh, Mr. Saving Banks. Mr. Mr. Yeah, yeah, he plays the dad, and that was an incredibly emotional performance. I loved him I in really that. I really like that movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. But, um, oh yeah, so with Cloverfield, um, not with Colin Farrell. Yes. Um, I, I do like that they built a set for Beth's apartment. Yeah. Yeah, they had to build these sort of, like, buildings that are on a diagonal, and they told all of the actors to get a walk through first just get a feel for like what it's going to feel like on their bodies before they get started on actually shooting the scene Mm. yeah that's fair so if i may ask a question that's related but different i have a few i have a list of kaiju okay and I want to know in your opinion, because I, I will value, I think I will value your opinion a little higher than mine, because I think you've watched more monster oh, movies. Oh, thanks, Tom. I do, I, I like the old school monsters, because I feel like that's just, like, about the fun of it. And I think that's what the focus of Cloverfield is, is it's not about anything grand happening. It's just, like, about this premise and executing it. Yeah. So... When we look at some famous kaiju from all around the world, I want to know in your opinion, does the Cloverfield monster win or does it Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. So you have to go with the, with the king. We'll start with the king. And we have, I'll say we can, we can pick our, of the many, because there's many interpretations of this monster. So Godzilla, Mm. does the Cloverfield monster win or Godzilla? Let's go with the. 1954 version the like the original first godzilla i'm gonna say godzilla Mm, okay i'm gonna say the original godzilla what about the 1998 godzilla loses or just or just zilla loses every time fair uh king kong how big is the new king kong that's my question the uh the new one is very big the new one is because the new Godzilla is also, like, one of the biggest guy- Godzillas there ever was. Everyone's going to hear me typing. Okay, I think... I think... Um, I think Clover would win against the Peter Jackson King Kong. Absolutely, yeah. For sure. And then I think based on the sheer scale of the new King Kong, I don't know if it would win. I don't know if Cloverfield Fair. would win. Because I think... You know, let's do real quick. I found that awful picture, by the way, of that whale. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I typed in monster comparisons. So we could do that real quick. We could actually look up the size of these monsters to get a better picture. Because okay. I would say that the new Godzilla, like the 2014 Godzilla, that's just like an unfair sized monster. Yeah. 
But um, what about a couple of the ants from the movie? Oh, that was another thing I wanted to tell you about. I love that. Okay, movie. so um, there are these very very quick tape cuts in the movie Cloverfield, where yeah. almost like the Fight Club speediness of like when they would you know ruin a movie with like a, a one shot of pornography throughout okay. all of cloverfield whenever the tape would suddenly like cut and get funky and then like loop back to another um set of film they would fuse it with one shot of a classic monster and one of them is the ants from them Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Actually, hold on. I found a size comparison okay. chart of some kaiju. Not all kaiju, but okay. some. And I'll send it to you now on Zoom. Like, this has the Cloverfield monster and two interpretations of Godzilla. Okay. Let me see. How do I send it? Uh, send it through the okay, chat. There it is. I did. Okay. There it is. Kaiju size chart. Oh, okay. So... We can safely assume Cloverfield Monster, the 98 Godzilla, and the original 54 Godzilla are all about the same size. Yeah. But then the most recent Godzilla is, like, double all of them. Yeah, size. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that um, the kaiju from Pacific Rim would destroy Clover. Well, those monsters would destroy, like, most Right, monsters. exactly. I feel like they would just, like, fight off its Clover, Clover's little chicken legs. Yeah. Those monsters are, like, anime size. Pitch. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Um, so, how many how many ants from the movie Them could you th- do you think the Cloverfield monster could take on? Any, I have a very specific reason for saying this, any insectoid-based monster, like Them and Mothra, I think would be extremely... Um, hampered, dampered by the parasites. That's a good. I point. think because like okay. they still have very like bug, fragile, um, like actual organs and organisms that I think the parasites could just break in half very quickly. That's yeah. fair. Okay, I'm trying to find some other kaiju. They mentioned some um, other monsters that do show up in um, the sneaks sneak peeks where it, like it appears in Cloverfield. I know one of them is the original King Kong. And then there's one in okay. the middle that I'm forgetting. It's another big Japanese one. But I forget. What about the state state puff marshmallow? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So according according to this chart, I'll send it to you now. He's about half the size oh. of the Cloverfield monster. Oh. You know what? But yeah. I will say the state, he is half his size, Mm -hmm. but he is a demon monster. He is a demon monster. Also, he's very sticky. I feel like he could um, get the Cloverfield monster stuck. That's true. Because the Cloverfield monster, I will say, based on what we saw in the movie, the Cloverfield monster is significantly more resilient than the 98 Godzilla. The 98 Godzilla gets killed by, like, a missile. (laughs) They have to nuke Manhattan to stop the Cloverfield monster. Right. And um, that was another thing, too, that I heard some very conflicting answers about. Because at the end of the movie, if you stay for after the credits, there's an audio recording of someone saying, help us. 
But then if you go back and reverse it, it says it's still alive. Oh, I didn't actually right. know that. But then J.J. Abrams said in an interview that he confirmed that the monster does die after they nuke it with missiles. God damn it. See, this is the problem with the mystery box. Like, the lore is cool until it gets unraveled and changed. Yeah. And the thing about this movie, too, when it came out, I was expecting sequel after sequel that, like, I expected it to become this huge, big franchise. And it sort of slowed down tremendously and made these other movies. Yeah. I think when... 10 Cloverfield Lane came out, it reinvigorated the excitement for the Cloverfield franchise. But then when we got to Cloverfield Paradox, the excitement was there for a day until everyone hated it. Right, exactly. I remember they dropped the trailer like after a Super Bowl. Yeah. I remember like at the time I was in my previous relationship and we saw the trailer like we need to watch this, but we couldn't watch it that night for some, I don't know, fucking Mm -hmm. reason. And then the next day, like, the reviews are already in that it's terrible, so we just avoided it. I think it. what happened was, I think you're right, once 10 Cloverfield Lane came out, people were really excited, and I was really excited. I was like, oh, great, it's coming back around. And then, um, I think even then, there were some murmurs that the next Cloverfield piece would be on Netflix. And it was like, of course it would be on Netflix. This is a great avenue for this. And then it came out yeah. and everyone was like, on second thought, let's uh let's not do this. Let's uh let's forget about this. That's fair. Um, my theory is that because the Cloverfield monster is a little babby, that ten Cloverfield Lane takes place after more kaiju, more grown kaiju come to attack as retaliation. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. do, where do we feel that movie fits in the timeline? Because I know that we see aliens mm-hmm. in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Sorry for spoiling it for people who haven't seen it. But at this point, what's a spoiler if it gets retconned in the next Yeah, movie? exactly. Actually, we didn't. Yeah, we mentioned Mothra, but does Mothra win against the Cloverfield monster? I think same thing. I think that the parasite would attack its wings and then it would be done for. That's a good point. And we don't even really know the extent of Mothra's magic ability because we, that's another unique thing about the Cloverfield monster. It's a very (laughs) earthbound. Yes. Organic monster. And then like we're pairing it up with like Mothra, a magic monster. Exactly. Um, I'm looking for what monsters appear in that those snippets of Cloverfield. Um, but it's not coming up. I know. Um, yeah, I know them is one of them and Godzilla, like the original God, I mean, I'm um, the original King Kong. And then I forget what the third one is. It was a weird one. It wasn't like a popular one. Um, wait, I think I, is it? It's 20. F- uh, <laughs> Hang on. I remember the name of the movie. I remember. Give me one sec. I'm definitely going to... Was it like... What about the monster from Colossal? Oh, I wanted to talk to you about that movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think that that monster would definitely kill the Cloverfield monster. Does it depend on the mood that 
Um, have you seen the why movie? Am I drawing? Unfortunately, okay. I the I know it's awesome. The whole time I was watching Cloverfield, the thing that I thank you for bringing it up because I totally forgot that I wanted to say this. Anybody who watches Cloverfield should definitely go see Colossal. It's a great movie, okay. and. It has just as much of the immediate, like, oh my god, there's a monster confusion, but actually gives you a reason for why it exists and why Anne Hathaway has this strange connection to it. It's such okay. a good, it's so, so good. I highly recommend it to everyone. Awesome. I definitely need to watch it. I think that's going to be, I wanted to end this with, like, for the whole Halloween season we can suggest the movie related to the movie we talk about, but, like, as another pairing, like, hey, if you like this, you might also Got like it. this. So would that be your Absolutely. pick for... Colossal is an amazing movie. It's so not what they present it as, which is part of what makes it so good, but also, to its detriment, you don't get to see, like, the hand behind the rabbit uh, in the trailer. Yeah, okay. it's very good. And if you try to watch any interviews with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, they stumble over their words because they're not sure what they can give away about it. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. All right, so that's a monster movie that yeah, that's your suggestion yes. is colossal. Yes. Um, it's tough for me because I maybe I'll go with like the movie Them just to give a classic black yeah. and white. Uh, <laughs> Red Scare era monster movie yeah. about giant communist ants. <laughs> I hate ants so much. <laughs> I I'll always remember the movie. The reason I watched the movie is I took a film class in college, and the professor talked about loving this movie. And then I was like, oh, I know that movie. I remember Rob Zombie used to talk about that movie because he lived in like this weird like desolate area where like behind his backyard was like a desert mm -hmm. and he just keeps saying there's like a scene from the movie where like an ant drops a rib cage and he's like i used to grow up thinking that one day an ant's gonna walk over the hill in my backyard yeah and there there is fun in watching just giant ants and they do make this interesting noise when they're nearby yeah. and it is like upsetting <laughs> genuinely to hear would you say it's more upsetting than the parasite noises Yes. <laughs> I will play it in this episode. Get the antennae! Get the antennae! I will piece it in. The thing in. about the parasite noises is, like, when I tell people I identify as a sea monster, the noise that I make sounds identical to the parasite noise, so I can never take it seriously. Um, what else did I want to add? Oh yeah, just what you were saying about the general marketing for this film. Um, it was very clear how they knew with everything changing in the world as far as technology goes that they had to be so secretive about it because at this point iPhones were coming out and yeah. when they did shoot in New York City they were using fake movie names like Cheese. <laughs> That's and awesome. at first when I read that, not even realizing that, like, iPhones and technology would, like, cause secrets to be revealed, um, I thought that that was really pretentious and stupid because 
I was thinking, like, well, who's going to see this movie title? It's probably just going to be more movie execs. But by the time that they were finishing up filming in New York City, and you've got people on set, like, and you've got that one, that one person who's watching with an iPhone, that's it. That's the end of anything that you're doing. So, yeah, it makes sense that they had to make up fake names for it. That's fair. And I mean, like, I didn't even have an iPhone until 2010. Yeah. But yeah, this was the time when this became a thing. Also, uh, mm-hmm. Courtney, was one of the movies you were thinking of Twenty fa- the the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms? Yes, yes. That's it. Yes, because that movie, that movie is a, it's 1953. Yeah. It's an American monster movie. And I believe if I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere. Mm-hmm. This movie inspired the look of Godzilla because mm. Godzilla was in production and it was originally supposed to be more of a sea creature. Okay. But then they like Toho and the producers saw this movie, the beast from 20,000 fathoms and saw the power in like a reptilian looking monster. Yeah. Cause this monster is a, like it's just a giant lizard on all right. fours. It's like maybe 10 stories high, but it, so would this monster fare up against Cloverfield? I'll say no, because he's too, too small. small. Yeah. He's too small. Um, did I... you know that the poster of the Statue of Liberty is supposed to be a direct ode to the Statue of Liberty's head in the Escape from New York poster? No. Yeah. Hold on. Because I remember that yeah. poster, Escape from New York, where the head is... Yeah, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a cool little mm. fact of knowledge I did yeah. not know. Um, then I just decided to look up a list of movies where shit happens to the Statue of Liberty. Gourney, did you know that, ironically, I'm also wearing my Escape from New York Are you really? Right I didn't now. realize that. Hold on, I'll turn on okay, the camera for you. Show me. Ah! There, there it, it is, is, Kurt Russell. Call me Snake. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, my official recommendation is them, but the unofficial recommendation is Escape from New York. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the poster was supposed to be a direct nod to the Statue of Liberty's head in Escape from New York. That's all. I could yeah, see it. Yeah. And also, um, they had to digitally enhance the Statue of Liberty's head to be even bigger than what its proportion would be in real life because apparently in the first trailer it was more to its actual size and people didn't find that scary enough. So for the movie, that's an enhanced version to make it look even bigger, to make it more fear-inducing. Because I'm looking at the Escape from New York poster and even that version looks way bigger than the actual size. But I imagine... Because, like, when you look at the Statue of Liberty, it has such a symbolic meaning for America, and, like, we look at it from the ground, so it looks massive. Mm-hmm. But, like, when when you... I imagine the head's actually not that big. Right. <laughs> so to keep this, the scale of illusion... Yeah, that's pretty... I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. Thank you You're for welcome. telling me that. Um, I, I think there are a lot... I looked up a lot of movies that use something bad happening to the Statue of Liberty to sort of imply that we are in a true state of emergency to the point that the Statue of Liberty almost becomes 
like one of the female victims in a horror classic. Which one? Well, it's just that so many things happen to the Statue of Liberty to convey yeah. fear, you know? So you've got, um, it started with Deluge in 1933. Okay. Then you've got the original Planet of the Apes. Yes. You know, that's the big twist in the movie is that he's actually on mm-hmm. Earth the entire time. Um, I guess something bad happens to it in National Lampoon's European Vacation, which I have not found truth to. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Superman 4, Quest for Peace. Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. Yes, I remember. Now, this one is so silly. And I don't even remember it because I think that this is the Batman movie that I've seen the least recent, Batman Forever. I don't, I've never actually seen Batman Okay, Forever. what's silly about it is that, uh, what is the Statue of Liberty doing in Gotham? So they add Gotham on the crown and there's like a big fight that breaks out and destroys it. Um, oh no, it's what happens is at first uh, Two-Face like scars the one side of it and then shit falls apart independence day deep impact okay ai artificial intelligence oh boy yeah um which i totally forgot was a thing in that movie this one i remembered once i looked up the poster the day after tomorrow Oh, yeah, because they show the frozen mm-hmm, image of it, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like yeah. that. And that's very disturbing because it's the idea that, like, the ro- the waters rose so high that you could walk, like, next to the hand of the Statue of Liberty. Um, okay. Cloverfield. 2012. Yes. Yeah. That movie. And also, there are a few others, but the one that I forgot about was also X-Men. They fight in the... Yeah, they fight in the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, because if you're Magneto and you can control metal, what better place to fight somebody? Than the Statue of Liberty. So, um, poor Statue of Liberty, she's seen some things in some horror movies. Yeah, people be doing some And of course, Escape from New York. Escape from New York. Oh, wow. So that, that is a whole genre to yeah. itself. Bad things happening to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Poor girl. I also sent you the image of the really bad design for the original. Well, not even original. It's just somebody came up with this concept for the Cloverfield monster. And I remember this being spread around yes. as like what the monster was actually going to look yes. like. And um, actually, this brings up something else I wanted to mention to you. <laughs> okay. I think that Part of the inspiration for this might have come from Final Fantasy X. Really? Um, which is about, like, a giant creature that terrorizes the land of Spira. And okay. it's called Sin. And it does kind of oddly look like a, a mixture of this and kind of just like a weird aquatic blob. Oh, I... I okay. looked it up just yeah. now. Okay. Oh, yeah, this is 100% what they were talking right? from. Like, 100%. Like, I will say in Final Fantasy, it looks yes. better. It, like, it it's better. It's 
I mean, it's a giant fucking monster, but it's better. It's more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, yeah, but... And it makes more sense in the context of what it is. As soon as you showed me that drawing, I was like, oh, right, there were comparisons to the creature in Final Fantasy X to what people thought Cloverfield would be. What I liked about um, the monster in Final Fantasy X, um, and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played it, but it's been over a decade, so if you haven't played it, it's your fault. Um, but what was interesting about it is that people become uh, like priests or high priestess to defeat the sin monster, but the thing is um, they have to sacrifice one of their teammates to become the ultimate monster or creature that could fight it back. But then what happens to the spirit of that person becomes tainted, and then in 10 years, they become the new sin monster. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really, it was a really interesting idea, and I thought about that when I was watching Cloverfield, was that, like, we have no idea what this thing is, and then for some reason that idea came back to my mind, that in uh, Final Fantasy X, like, whoever you of your group you sacrifice to defeat this monster becomes the monster in 10 years ah, you are now the sin yes. monster it picks mm-hmm. you like like the crow yeah i don't know why i thought about the crow <laughs> you are now the crow yes so tom should we ask the question have we have we gotten through everything that we can get through about Cloverfield in less than two hours? We talked a lot about everything, yeah. and I'm happy yeah. about it. <laughs> um, is there anything you'd want to add about the movie itself, like the plot or anything you wish that they did differently? No. Honestly, like, the only gripes I have with it are, like, early found footage annoyances that get, you know, fixed as we get through you know, years of filmmaking and different found footage movies. But honestly, no, I, it's fine. It's a great monster movie. Yeah. Uh, TJ Miller's a dick. Yeah. He gets eaten by the monster. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But you were going to ask the question. Tom. Yes. Do you think that this movie would hold up in 2020? I think it does. Yeah. Um, just mute TJ Miller. Yeah. Uh, and if you do get seasick by Drapamine, is Dramamine. that what it's called? Dramamine. Take it, but don't take too much. I learned the hard way. If you take more than one, you will fall asleep immediately <laughs> behind the wheel of your car. But, um, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't take it. Just, just do something else. I forgot to ask you, um, the part where they take cover in... A bodega to get away from the like oncoming dust bowl we saw it we both saw it didn't we what do you think i'm thinking of the balls yes sign? Yes, yes 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 yep i saw that uh, and i was like oh my god there's balls that's another 2000s thing i'm happy to see yeah yeah um also it was very funny to see in this movie all of the phones that weren't iphones yeah that was an interesting yeah. thing to see it was very it was very 2000s, except for the quality of the camera itself. Yeah. That's a very expensive cinema quality camera that somebody just happens to own, like to own as like a Sony little camcorder. Yeah. But otherwise, I think it holds up. It's a fun monster movie. Good old kaiju. Watch 
10 Cloverfield Lane. If you want, watch the third one that destroys all the world. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing with that movie. No I idea. I don't know. It wasn't good. Watch this one instead. But, yeah. <laughs> watch this one, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and just pretend that nothing else ever happened. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that um, I, I miss movies like this where it's just like a wholesome, simple idea. And they just take it and run with it. Um, I feel like we don't yeah. get movies like that anymore. So. What's funny is I'm actually on like an old forum for this yeah. movie where I found that image of yeah. the whale. And there's like a guy who writing in all caps back in January of 2008. Guys, <laughs> Toho reserved the rights of Godzilla. Stop thinking it's Godzilla. <laughs> It's not Godzilla. Really, it's not Cthulhu He really either. needed to inform the people. He really wanted to make sure that nobody confused the Cloverfield monster for Godzilla or Cthulhu. That's right. All right, so, but uh, should we wrap it up well, here? Well, um, what has been... We'll, we'll ask the final question. Yes, Nobody, sorry. Um, our, our last question of the podcast. What has been your obsession this week, Tom? Um, being, being that we're nearing October, I've been planning my um, jack-o'-lantern challenge of doing one jack-o'-lantern yes. a day. I've just been coming up with ideas and designs and like, because I got, I can't every single day make a masterpiece. I was going to say, because that's impossible. Save yourself some like simple designs. Yeah. Yeah. So I still can't decide exactly which one for the first day, but by the time this episode comes out, we'll be like halfway through October, so I'll have made that decision yeah. already. Um, maybe I might do a coworker suggested because I wanted to do like the jack o' lantern from Halloween or like one with Michael Myers mask mm -hmm. on it, but that would be like for the day of Halloween. Okay. So maybe the first day of October, I'll do something related to the Rob Zombie Halloween in 2007, mm. which that could be a fun. And um, I'm not a big fan <laughs> of those movies, but there is a lot to say and some cool things to talk about, but some a lot of things to uh, criticize, like uh, a man's obsession with rednecks and hillbillies. Redneck torture family. Redneck Torture Family in Haddonfield. <laughs> um, you should listen to uh, that Never Seen It podcast that I submitted the script to a couple of years ago. Um, I remember your episode was thank funny. Thank you. So. Um, I covered Pulp Fiction because I've never seen it. But um, somebody just did Halloween and I was just laugh out loud. Like, it was so funny um, somebody, like, writes at the beginning, like, and Jamie Lee Curtis says, oh, you know, my crazy, super strong, almost abnormal brother is coming home from the, from the psych institution. Everything's fine. And it's so funny. It's all yeah, good. You should listen to it. It's really good. I just, I could not stop laughing. Also, mm -hmm. funny thing, that series has been rebooted and retconned four times. Right. Exactly. So, somebody somebody's script interpretation of what they think the movie is has a fair shot at being accurate to any one of the four timelines that actually exist that's why i kind of think that you know it's not really up to us to be mad at jj abrams for not making it clear what is going on with clover because there are plenty of movies that take a monster and it's just another movie of that monster you know, and it could have nothing to do with yeah. the one previously. I think it's because 
it's a new monster and it's something we're still only getting acquainted with that we want answers and we sort of want that narrative to be explained to us yeah yeah no that's a good observation and i will agree with that so with that what has been your weekly obsession taking care of myself yeah um now that it feels like things are more settled with my family and they're okay i've finally been taking the time to focus on myself and not be so harsh and critical and just you know do things as they come and not be mean to myself if i don't get other things done in time self-care is important and you it feels amazing i didn't know that it could feel like this I'm glad to hear that. It's wonderful. Yeah, I think it started with Friday. I was stressing out and was feeling really down, and I had plans to meet people, but I didn't want to meet them, but I knew I was still going to see them, and um, I decided to just go for a walk, and it felt so good just to clear my head and, you know, just press refresh, and then I was just like, oh, I can feel down, and I don't have to force myself to do anything. I can just you know, take care of myself first and do something for myself first and then do that other thing. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad. I walked by Carnegie Hall twice, which was strange because I've never, like, looked for it, but I kept running into it and it reminded me of my dad because he sang there a couple of times. So it was nice. That's amazing. That's beautiful. I'm glad. Let that be a lesson to everybody to take care of yourselves do whatever you need to do to press refresh from time to time self-care is important because we got to stick together and we need you know people to be in our lives and help them out so take care of yourselves and like tom and like i also got some time to make some art in the past few days um do something like cultivate something visual to create that safe space and calm space in your mind because that is very important also, I hope by the time this episode releases, uh, yeah. side note, that that Snapchat anime filter is gone. Oh, yeah, it's very strange. And also is going to lead to a world upsetting. of problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. With that, everybody, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. This will be one of the episodes of our Spooktacular Savings series. You can find it in your weekly circular. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on yeah. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, where most podcasts are found. Follow our Instagram at Remember the Zero Zero Ots yeah. podcast. And it's going to be a fun ride, guys. So subscribe, follow, listen, and share. That's all, that's, that's all we ask of you is to just enjoy and give a like or a follow yeah. or a, or that's something. <laughs> no, I think I, I, think that's I got great, all Tom. That. I, I hate doing the endings, so... Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, that's not a problem. Why would that be a problem? Why would we say something? We won't say anything. Rob and Beth slept together. Are you serious? It happened a few weeks ago, Beth, and you promised not to say anything. Are are you kidding me? Lily and Rob and Beth sleep together. You're not even going to tell me that? Why wouldn't you tell me? Why wouldn't I tell you? Okay, you guys, don't ask me where I heard this. Rob and Beth totally had sex together. I knew it. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. This is extremely serious. Hey, Marlena, it's me, Hud from before. Did you know that Rob and Beth had sex? No. Yeah, isn't that crazy? They've been friends forever. I mean, Rob's been in love with her since college. 
thought maybe it was like a going away present, you know? Yeah.